2: Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1107. Head on over to ID10T.com. Uh, sign up for our email list. You know, we don't send tons of emails. It's not too overwhelming in your inbox, but um, we'll let you know about podcasts and sales that we're having, which we do pretty regularly. Also, we're constantly adding new stuff and vintage stuff. So yes, ID10T.com. Sign up for the email list and then follow us on the Instagrams at ID10T. Let's talk about you, the ID10T community on the ID10T community corkboard events at ID10T.com. Like Christy, who writes, "During quarantine, I actually started making these adorable little crocheted items called amigurumi, which translates to crocheted stuffed toy, which is exactly what I'm into at the moment." She says. Um, so she makes a ton of she says she makes a ton of pop culture stuff that are relevant to your interests, but also just things like bears, elephants, mice, food items, uh, so forth. She says, it's very fun and satisfying, and I'd love to invite everyone to my Etsy page, Christy, C-H-R-I-S-T-Y, Crochet Crafts, plural, crafts, plural, Christy Crochet Crafts. Uh, so that's it. Thank And she says, thank you so much for the support. So support her. Go uh, buy some cool Amigurumi and uh, and have some adorable crocheted uh, plush toys to bring some joy into your life. This episode is uh, Elizabeth Shue, who was – awesome oh she was so cool you know she's been in so many movies that were very influential to me growing up besides karate kid but also the back to the future series and adventures in babysitting and soap dish which is a movie that i loved and she was amazing in leaving las vegas and she was incredible on the last season of the boys um and she's great uh she appears in cobra kai season three which is so good oh my wife and i love it so much it's so good. Cobra Kai is on Netflix. The third season just went up not that long ago, so you can watch all three seasons if you haven't watched it yet. You know, look, it's a super cool show. If you did, if you never watched the original movies, um, you can still enjoy the show. If you did watch the original movies, it's so satisfying because they just do such a great job of just tying so many things together and uh, telling a lot of stories that kind of I don't want to give too much away, but it's just handled really well, and it's really cool, and there are many times in the series where you're like, oh my god, they, oh, that, because that, that's the thing from this movie, and they seem to be pulling stuff from all the films, so it's great, Cobra Kai season three, and Elizabeth Shue is so great in it, she was so cool, and open, and down to earth, and just an absolute joy, to uh, to talk to. So um, thank you so much to Elizabeth Shue. Thank you for listening uh, to the 1107th episode of the ID10T podcast, which now begins. Oh, actually, before we begin, I do want to give a fair spoiler warning. Um, we talk about Cobra Kai, the series, and season three. We do cover some plot points. Uh, Elizabeth Shue is in Season 3. That is not a secret. That's not a spoiler. That's already out there in the world. Uh, But we do talk about um, some of the things that she uh, does in the show. Uh, So if you're very hardcore about spoilers... This is your warning to uh, turn this off, go watch the series, and then come back and listen to the podcast. Um, if you're not going to watch Cobra Kai or uh, spoilers, don't really uh, you don't care, then uh, by all means, go ahead and listen. But just wanted to give you a uh, fair warning in this spoiler alert system. Uh, so now we can begin.
1: Initiating ID10T protocol.
2: I love the blue in your background. That's a gorgeous shade of blue.
1: Well, it just happens to be my daughter's room, and it's the only place in the house where no one can get in, and it's relatively quiet. That's basically why I'm in here.
2: It's a very peaceful, ethereal <laughs> very peaceful. place that you're in. Yeah, it's almost
1: like I'm going to heaven over here with the light coming in.
2: <laughs> is that a turntable in your daughter's room? It is. It is. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we're trying to be re- very retro. The whole family is trying to go backwards.
2: Do 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 young folks these days really appreciate vinyl, uh, or is it is it more of yes. like? Uh, do they do really.
1: They do appreciate, it, but I don't think they have the patience for it. Ultimately, you know, they just they just want to you know just have their phone ready, just hit any song they want to hear at any time. You have to really look for the albums. It takes some time.
2: <laughs> yeah pick the yeah. song
1: on the album I wouldn't necessarily listen to the entire album so
2: at least with yeah. a record you could lift and get to the right groove cassettes to me were the most inefficient ways to manage music
1: yeah but i don't, i just feel overwhelmed by how much music there is so i don't listen to any of it i actually um <laughs> i bought some um CDs from Time Life over the tv and my family made fun of me, but I said, "You know what? I want some CDs in my car. I got something really cheesy like soft rock. Nice. <laughs> I decided I just have to have some CDs, like like cassettes. You know, just something real that I could put into the the player and listen to. Because all right, with so the I, voices, I just don't go. All right. Anyway,
2: all right. Here we go. No, well, no, no, not at all. Because no, no, i really want to find me? out. I want to find okay. out what's on Elizabeth Shoe's soft rock playlist. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no. No. Um, I don't really have any playlists I should make some but no everything that's just from the 70s I don't just like Dreamweaver you know like crazy weird right that you listen to that you would never think to listen to but if you buy a cd set all of a sudden it's going to come up and you have to listen to Dreamweaver
2: you know what Gary Wright was like an early adopter of the keyboard and that's what like blew him up in the '70s, he just had those weird synthy chord progressions. I'm, I'm a huge fan of his music, and and really all '70s synth rock in general.
1: Yeah, I miss I miss those days when when music was kind of your life. You know, it was like the soundtrack of your life.
2: It's hard for us to understand because it, it's so hard. I feel like it's you know n- now I'm getting into like get off my lawn territory, but the. But but music now, like, I don't have a connection point to a lot of music now. And I will just listen to songs that I wasn't even a huge fan of in the 70s and 80s, but yeah. somehow just kind of yeah. root me in this like, oh, I feel okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's true. Simpler times, you just connect to your innocence when things were just Everything was exciting. You know, I think every song we listened to, we were on our way out to a party. We might might see the quarterback of the football team. His truck might be parked outside of the party. You know, it was just, the drama was just so pure.
2: (laughs) Well, I have to, you know, what's interesting about this conversation is that it accidentally and perfectly sort of bleeds into what I think is the most important thematic storyline of Cobra Kai, which is living in the past, Yes, the yes. Entire series to me, which my wife and I love, is just about people who cannot get past their past. They just can't. As hard as they try to be in the moment, and grown-ups, they are anchored by. They can just cannot get get by their past.
1: Yeah, no, I found that hilarious. I think that's what really drew me to it was. Um, I really loved the scene of the two of them in the bar talking about me <laughs> and how they 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 still somehow seemed obsessed and um were making fun of my husband and my last name and I don't know it was just so sweet and kind of innocent and just made me want to come back
2: I mean it is it is really sweet because it it also I mean I I've adored this show since it came out because listen I'm I'm of the exact right age to I was born in '71, so when *Karate Kid* came out, I went to see it with my dad, and it was like it, it did exactly what it was designed to do, which is it just burrowed into my soul. And then when when cable, you know, it was on cable hundred thousand times, uh, and I've seen it hundred thousand times, so the idea that the people who made the show were like, well, let's not just extend what that was, let's show other perspectives and fill in the gaps. So in that first season when, you know, when Daniel's like, hey, you beat the shit out of me all the time and John Lawrence is like, but you stole my girlfriend, you know, it's like you start to realize, <laughs> oh, there's a perspective shift. And your character very sort of adeptly kind of tells them what the audience already knows, which is like, "We, uh, you guys, come on, what are you doing?
1: yeah. No, that, I was very grateful, too, to get the truth of um, uh, Ali's story in, in Karate Kid 2 cleared up. That, <laughs> that meant a lot to me. I have to say, I was pretty bitter about that situation for many years. Oh, really? <laughs> I really was. I really was. I never watched Karate Kid 2 or 3 because of it. <laughs>
2: oh, my gosh. That's so funny. Yeah, because you basically... yeah she wrecked the car and then she went after this football player. And it was such a brilliant, so poetic to then finally, and, you know, without giving too much away, to finally explain that situation. And then you realize like, oh yeah, that was another thing that we just took for granted that actually was just one person's distorted perspective of the situation. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was very happy about that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Do you think you'll be able to go back and watch two and three now that you now that it's all been tied up?
1: I might, I might, yeah. I just might. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, you it it's such a pleasure and an honor to talk to you because you were not not only were you involved in some of the most influential films that I watched growing up, but also just like thing after thing is really fantastic. Like I think Soap Dish is one of the greatest comedies.
1: Oh. I love um, some fish. Oh, I'm so glad that you love that movie. I feel like that movie didn't get its its moment. You know, somehow it it didn't do as well as it could have, or I don't know. It doesn't seem to have uh, broken through into our culture at all. And I, I, it's one of my favorites.
2: I mean, it's it's basically like watching a theatrical comedy. It's like watching a brilliant stage play, but so, but everyone is so. Just on fire, like everyone is operating at eleven in that the comedy <laughs> and the jokes. You know, you and Sally Field and Kathy Moriarty and Robert Downey Jr. I mean, oh,
1: Kevin so Klein, how Evan great! Kevin Klein, I know that scene in the old age home when he's doing yes. guest salesman. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's classic. It's so good. I mean, is you know when I look at your, when I look at your career, you know what I see is what I assume, and I'd love to get your take on this is you seem to be someone who just likes the stuff that she likes and there's no real one thing that you do. It's, it's, you know, it's comedy. And I think maybe you got pigeonholed for a minute doing comedy, but then leaving Las Vegas came out and then people were like, Holy shit. And so it, it really seems like you sort of pick and choose things that speak to you so, what is what is your selection process, and and how like how did that unfold as you started working more?
1: Um, I don't know. But there's there's really no plan. Uh, I think if you look at all the films I've done, you'll notice that <laughs> it's very up and down, um, very hit or miss. So I would say that I just um, would look at what the opportunity was at the moment. And as you know, there is the um, reality of the shifting sands of status in this business. (laughs) So there were times when I had a lot of things to look at and probably made some good choices. And there were times where I probably didn't have as much to look at and made some dubious choices. Um, But overall, I guess I've, Always just been attracted to anyone, any character who is as complicated as they can be. Somebody who is sort of on the edge, um, on the verge of destruction, hopefully, and um, people who are uh, just, just a little desperation in any character goes a long way for me.
2: (laughs) I mean, like that—the thing that you mentioned about the shifting sands of status and the business, which sort of, like, in a way, rules. It, 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 it rules some, but I feel like the people that really navigate it well just don't – it's like, okay, fine, whatever. I'm still going to do what I'm going to do. And then at the end when you sort of look, look back after you know, a couple decades of working, you go, oh, that person did some really amazing things and just didn't pay attention because that status shit can really mess with people's heads if that's what they are focused on. It's hard not to focus on a little, but focus on it too much is deadly.
1: Yeah. No, you have to say goodbye to your ego at some point if you want to be an actor, (laughs) which is hard, (laughs) which is hard. But, um, yeah, I think what's helped me a bunch is um, having a family. Yeah. I mean, it sounds pretty cliche, but um, my family has mattered so much to me over these years, and I've put most of my focus on them um, and tennis, (laughs) 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 <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of work on tennis to go through the midlife crises. That's helped a bunch. And, um, yeah, just, just being grateful, being grateful for the opportunities you do have versus being bitter about the opportunities you don't have. Right. That, that's helped a lot. Um, yeah, definitely being grateful. I would say that is the key to navigating this career.
2: It's hard, it can be really hard to stay present, too, yeah. in the midst of everything, because, you know, again, you know, this goes back to the idea of being, you know, haunted by your past. But there are things, you know, like maybe movies, you're like, oh, man, why did I do that? I, maybe I should have done this one or I should. it's like, well, but it doesn't at the end of the day, it's still all part of the journey. And if you're focused on the journey, then that's that's kind of the important part, not the result.
1: Yes, you are forced into that philosophy. I wouldn't say that I was as evolved during um, periods of my career where I thought I did deserve a lot more. (laughs) Um, But um, uh, the great thing about old age is that it forces you kicking and screaming to um, get to know that uh, you are very grateful and fortunate to have the opportunities you have. And um, once you put your ego to bed, why would you be upset with what you don't have,
2: really? Exactly. Well, it's, it's a messed up thing because when you're young, I feel yeah. like you're, you're very, it can be easy to be very ego-driven because you're trying to establish your identity, you're trying to establish your own significance, your own, like, plant a flag in the ground. And so I feel like there's a little bit of human, like, psychobiology, for lack of a better term, that they kind of direct some of that. And then the most of, I think most of your adult life is trying to undo that and shed off the layers of that and and get past it.
1: Well, you know, it's really funny. I was just, um, I was um, watching um, an interview of Victoria Azarenka, Mm -hmm. great tennis player. And she was talking about her career and she was talking about how um, when she was number one in the world, she did kind of give over to her ego of of being in that spot. And then whenever she would lose, she would feel this sense of shame. You know, like, how could you lose if if, if this is who you were meant to be? You're meant to be number one. Right. And um, it really messed with her head. And, and one of the reasons why she's doing so well right now is because she's learned an attitude of neutrality.
2: Oh, and wow. So-
1: yeah, and it's really helped me. It's really helped me on the tennis court, um, but it's also helped me kind of assess my life at times when I hear that voice and I hear that ego saying, well, "What about me? Why didn't I get that? And I deserve this." To um to uh to stay neutral and and just be, if you are in the moment and you're present, then anything is surprising. Every every shot, every opportunity, um is 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 exciting because you're you're approaching it from a present point of view. You're not expecting anything. You're not expecting to win that point. You're not expecting I deserve a certain role. I don't know. It's kind of funny, but that's why I love tennis, because I feel like there's so many moments where I'll learn about tennis and then I will learn about my life. And they are always
2: informing each other. Absolutely. And and that idea of neutrality, there's a certain mindfulness quality to it because yeah, I think, think some. Sometimes people expect like, Oh, well, if I really evolved and would, everything would feel really easy. And I feel like, well, I don't know. I mean, your brain might still try to attack you and your ego might, you know, attack you. But that idea of neutrality is just the ability to go, okay, brain, I hear what you are saying and yeah. go to bed. I'm just, yeah. I don't, yeah, you, but you don't have to, you don't, I don't know. I, there's a great idea that like, you are not your thoughts. I love that idea because we can attach our identity to what our internal monologue is as opposed to detaching from it and going, oh, well, that's not, maybe I don't have to listen to, maybe that's not who I am. That's just a thing in my head that I can just go fuck off basically.
1: Yeah. And the challenge is not to listen to the positive thoughts, the positive thoughts of, oh, I'm so great. I'm so, look at me, look how well I'm doing. (laughs) You know, those are just as destructive. I think a lot of times there was a lot uh you know to do well in life, you had to think positively, you know, right. like write out all these things all these wonderful things you were going going to achieve, and instead you can't attach to the good or the bad,
2: yeah, because that that completely uh disengages the idea of neutrality if you if you're still <laughs> yeah. if you're still going positive 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 thing, the danger is like well that's still result oriented thinking yes so it may not, and then if those things don't happen then It could, you could be really upset.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 Totally.
2: Tennis is great though. You know, my mom played tennis when I was growing up. I I played a bit and I, I can't help, but wonder if, do you think there is an emotional attraction for you with tennis? Because unlike acting, it feels very linear where it's like, well, you put in a lot of work. There's a definite, you know, like a game has a definite structure to it. And you get better this way as opposed to, you know, like the shifting sands of the business. Like tennis is very much like put in this amount of work. This will probably work out. And this is how it happens. Exactly.
1: That's exactly <laughs> it. <laughs> I like that. I like, I, I you know, I grew up with brothers, uh, three brothers, and um, a lot of my life was spent playing games so I do like that this game is, you're, as you said, confined. It's confined to a box and um, you have nobody but yourself to rely on, which I, I find incredibly challenging. Um, and I, yeah, I think that it came exactly, I think I, I became obsessed when I was 37, which is exactly the age in Hollywood where you feel extremely young and ready to take on, you know, incredible characters and incredible challenges. And yet the business doesn't quite know what to do with you. Um, and also, you know, as a woman, you're starting to look in the mirror and you're starting to see changes in your face and all the fear and anxiety that that can bring up. And and, and then there was this game that I could play every day where I could see myself getting better. Like you said, just if I did a hundred four hands over and over, the next day I would I would have a better forehand. And mm-hmm. little did I know, though, that I've been at it since I was 37. So 15 years, no, no, I don't even want to do the math. Um, but it's been many years and I, I am, I'm a, I'm a, a solid player now, but yet the game of tennis is so difficult. Mm-hmm. And I have so much respect for the people that have reached the top because what it takes mentally and physically is just beyond.
2: It is. And I, and I always wonder, you know, uh, of course, when you're younger, you think like, yeah, do whatever you need to do to like get to the top. And now, as I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm gaining wisdom and certainly perspective, um, you know, just because of the last 10 months of quarantine or whatever. But, mm-hmm. but just the idea of like, well, yes, it probably is amazing to get to that point. But are you willing to pay the, cost of that, like what that can do to you emotionally, what that can do to like, you know, it, it might be difficult to maintain relationships or w- with your friends and family. If you're constantly like fighting to stay the best, you know, I don't know. It, it feels like, it feels like it's, it looks better in the brochure maybe than it is to actually, you know, be, try to be the number one.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess it depends. It depends. Yeah. On so many different factors. Um, I mean, imagine if you're Roger Federer and right. <laughs> you give your life to tennis and and that all that 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 tennis has um been for him and his life. So it's it's I think it's different. I don't know. It, it's always balance. It's always balance. It's interesting. You know, my daughter's playing tennis right now, so I have to learn how to instill in her a sense of balance. Um, because she's extremely talented and and you could imagine taking that talent and saying, hey. All right, there you go. You're going to the academy and you're going to be there for the next 10 years. And obviously that's not something I I don't think that's her path in life. Um, But then yet being the best that she can be, that's actually a really great thing is learning that your own individual success is based on becoming the best that you can be. Right. not what anyone else can be but the best that you can be given the circumstances of your life and the intentions that you want to have in your life.
2: Yeah, I mean that that idea that well the only person you should be in competition with is yourself yesterday, you know. It's like how do you You know, but again I even wonder like is that also result oriented thinking because you just at the end of the day it's just like you just want to be able to enjoy things. <laughs> <laughs> <I know. laughs> like things are supposed what to be a fun. <laughs> what a concept! <laughs> what a Crazy concept. And it's like you know, two in the past or two in the future. Two. I got it. Got it. It's like this isn't fun anymore. Like, oh yeah, that's right. This oh, this was supposed to be a, an entertaining thing that I was supposed to do. Yeah. But um, I, I mean, again, I, I there, there are so many movies of yours too that I hope people go back and rewatch again. Like Adventures in Babysitting is a fantastic movie. And that was Chris Columbus. I remember, I remember when it came out and it was, again, just one of those movies that just sort of really resonated with me. Do you, was, was Adventures of Babysitting, do you, do you look back at it finally? Do you, is that a movie that you have watched recently?
1: Oh, I love that movie. It's one of my favorites. Oh, good. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've I've been able to watch that movie a lot. Not a lot, but enough, just because it's one of those movies that your kids can watch. Yeah. Um, so I think they've all watched it maybe once or twice. And yeah, it was my first starring role. Um, uh, it was a really wonderful time in my life. My brothers all came to the set. I think if you, you look in the background, you can find each one of them in background scenes. <laughs> um, so that was very special. Even my father is in it. <laughs> Wow. Uh, and Chris was such a wonderful director. And I think wasn't it it wasn't his first film though, no. Was it his no, film? I don't I think that was, no, he, he, he directed Home Alone. Oh, no, 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 no. That was after. That, that was, was
2: after, after Adventures of Babysitting. Yes,
1: I feel like it was his first directing job because that was I feel like it was a first for all of us. Yes, I'm almost positive, but
2: Yeah, because yeah, he wrote Gremlins, but he didn't direct it. Yes, no, no, I think it was his first. I, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean uh, that experience was it. So at, while you oh, were doing it, you were able to enjoy
1: uh, it. Oh, singing the blues! I mean, that will go down as my favorite experience of all time.
2: That's really nice. And that, and that, that and Adventures of Babysitting was was that post Back to the Future too, or that was before. That was before. Yes, I think so. Yes, for sure. Yes, I mean to be a part of that cinematic universe is insane i mean it, it you know like the the cultural touchstone of that movie and you and you see it now like it's so it's just such an accepted part of our pop culture you know it's not even our pop culture of our culture it's such a uh, wo- so woven into our to our culture now
1: yeah no it is incredible it's amazing that i just happened to end up in a bunch of movies in the 80s that meant so much to people and that people still see it's it's a uh... It's pretty cool. I, I really I really am very grateful for that, for
2: sure. And at the time, what did you think was, how did it feel? Like, at the time, did it feel like, oh, this is the career I wanted, or this is all happening? Or, no, it didn't at all.
1: No, I was always, um, I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like because I start, I started with a pretty innocent point of view on on what a career even meant in Hollywood... I mean, I really didn't, I didn't know how much money the Karate Kid even made really until like many years later, I didn't have a publicist. Um, My sense of style was pretty, pretty terrible. I never, I, I just had no sense of myself as an actor or what it meant to have a career. I was just kind of bumbling along movie to movie to movie. And what really was exciting to me was whether my, my brothers were excited, you know, like I remember when I got cocktail And uh, I was going to actually act with Tom Cruise. (laughs) That (laughs) was such a huge deal in my family. Um, My brothers were just obsessed with him and couldn't wait to meet him. So I do feel like I started this business from a very innocent point of view. Um, And then I would say as time went on, uh, I really cared more deeply about what it meant to be an actor and what it meant to challenge myself as an actor. And, and that that kind of came about later. But when I first started, I, I have to remind myself to remember how exciting it used to be, you know? Right. Where I just, mean- yeah, it didn't matter. You were in a commercial, you were on a movie, you were in a TV show. I was like, whoa, are you kidding me? How did this happen? <laughs> but as time goes on, you're like... Damn, I what, why did I do that movie and oh no, now my career's going down the tubes. You know, it's it's a uh, it's just interesting how it shifts and how what you want out of it shifts. And I'm obviously, you know, when once I met my husband, I think the two of us really influenced each other in terms of really focusing on wanting to be artists. I mean, not in a pretentious way, but sort of in a kind of uh, just a more connected emotional way. And right. so we- really pushed each other to kind of go out there. And I think at that moment I just met him and that's when I did leaving Las Vegas. And, um, and, uh, that, uh, that movie obviously meant so much to me because it was, you know, just a chance for me to kind of express more sides of, of, uh, myself and to be a part of a production that was so, uh, just so beautiful. And it's, it's, um, intensity and, you know, it was four weeks. That was four weeks of shooting. Basically Mike Figgis shot that in four weeks. Yeah. And so, I don't know. So that, that was the moment where I I feel like I went from just enjoying the fun of just acting and, and um, to wanting more out of it. And then I got disappointed (laughs) because I wanted so much out of it. See, I wasn't neutral.
2: (laughs) You got disappointed because why?
1: Well, 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 just because, you know, that I wanted so much out of it and I wanted, I wanted to do even better parts. I wanted to be even work with better people and better directors. And then,
2: That is an interesting, I mean, like that, that, like, that should just be a clip quote, like, you know, don't lose your neutrality. That absolutely. But so let's just say if you, if you, if you had the neutrality, what do you think would have been different?
1: Uh, probably nothing. I mean, I would have been happier.
2: Exactly. You would have been happier. Like whether or not you had, yeah. it would have changed significantly is like you would have been happier. And yeah. ultimately, again, that's the goal. Shit's supposed to be fun. Uh, but oh yes. my God. Who, I can't even imagine what kind of a head trip that must be when, you know, you've done all these films in the 80s, all these fun, like, up, upbeat films, and then all of a sudden you take on this incredible, really serious, heavy role, and then you get nominated for an Academy Award, and that must be an insane head trip.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure at the time I pretended that it didn't matter much to me because I've always been good at that. <laughs> 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 um, but uh, I'm sure it did matter a lot and I'm sure I did expect a lot. <laughs> um, but I, you know, at the, at the end of the day now with my wisdom over all these years, I do, I can look back and just appreciate it, what it was for its own sake. And, yeah. uh, so I'm glad I finally gotten there, but I have to say at the time, yeah, I had a lot of expectation about what was going to come next.
2: But it. But again, if if you're not really, if there's a way to detach from all that, yeah. you know, any, any kind of career that that goes on for a while is going to have though that sort of a sine wave of like now this and now this and now this and up and down up and, and then. But ultimately, if you can just sort of navigate it, and it and it seems like you've done it beautifully. You know, you 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 have a family and you still you still work on really cool shit. You were fucking great. Sorry, pardon my language. You were fucking great <laughs> in the boys.
1: Well, I loved that part. That was so much fun. That was one of my favorite parts of all time. Yeah. yeah. So, so fun. I loved the writing. Um, Eric Kripke's incredible. Um, I loved the cast. I, I just felt so, so appreciative to be there. Yeah. One of the great parts I'll ever have.
2: Um, but then also you mentioned Cocktail earlier. And when I think, I got to go back and watch that movie again, because I have a feeling it Cocktail is one of those movies that's like, This is a time capsule of the late 80s. Like it feels, I bet it probably just feels like the music and the neon and even that idea of like, I came to a city with a dream in my pocket and a song in my heart, you know, like that, that kind of 80s, like cultural ideal also, like everything about it feels super 80s.
1: Yeah, no, I know. I, those movies, do you think they could ever make those kind of movies again? That's also what's so great about them. is just the time they took to develop those stories.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: I don't know. I don't know if, if our culture has the time now to, they're, they're starting to do movies like, um, like those movies. I would say Netflix, thank goodness for Netflix. I, you know, they do have the ability to, to tell those stories. You know, they're, they're probably not going to be seen in, in um, on movie screens. They probably won't be those right. kind of, stories anymore so thank God that Netflix is going to still make those stories because yeah it's hard to imagine.
2: yeah it's, it's, it's really it's really hard to imagine what you know uh, in the 70s George Lucas said there was this major shift that happened in film because Star Wars Jaws and the Godfather all came out and when that happened the film industry and movie theaters in general became flush with cash and so as a result they opened multiple multiplexes and multiplexes had smaller theaters, which then opened the door for independent films, which you used to have to just throw a canister of film in your trunk and drive around the country and put it up in them, you know? And so that was a shift. And now I think we're seeing the same kind, we're in the midst of the same kind of shift where it's like, well, maybe when movie theaters are a thing, again, people will go see big event, you know, like superhero movies, big budget robot movies. But, but, but this idea of like Netflix and streaming and all that, Like that's like really where the arty stuff is really going to happen.
1: Yeah, no, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about the amount of content there is now really just, I mean, just selfishly for actors. There are so many more interesting stories being told now on television and either in film version on, you know, a a film possibly on Netflix or, you know, Amazon. And then um, also these long form stories. I mean, how cool, you know, Cobra Kai would never exist without, Without this new form, and um,
2: Absolutely.
1: yeah, yeah, and I'm, I mean, my my family, we're so addicted to so many different stories because because we get to follow characters for a long time, we get to do it on our own time, which I think is is a benefit. Um, except when my kids are <laughs> addicted to a show and they're not doing their homework. <laughs> Other than that, um, <laughs> it's, a good thing. it's a really good thing.
2: Yeah, uh, I also think. Um, Uh, Hamlet 2 is a great movie.
1: Oh, I love that movie. I know. Well, well, you know, I was going to tell you about, so when I lost the neutrality, okay. (laughs) um, When I did expect that I should have a lot more than I (laughs) was getting, I, then I, I realized that I had to come back to just working for the sake of working. And there are a few films that I care about equally to the films that I starred in, um, I love Mysterious Skin. I love Hamlet, too. Um, I love Battle of the, Se- Battle of the Sexes. Yeah. So I, I, I realized that it's not about <laughs> your ego. It's about the people. It's about the story that you're going to be a part of. It's about being with people you look up to and respect. And I got that chance. And it didn't, it didn't matter that I was a star. It didn't matter getting attention. It was mattered that I was a part of stories and part of movies that I loved. And so I got that. And now I'm back. I'm back yeah. in terms of my understanding of what matters.
2: The idea, and this isn't really too major a spoiler, because it's, it's, it's like from the first moment you appear in Hamlet 2, it's explained. But you play yourself. And you've basically just, you, you play Elizabeth Shue, who has quit acting and become a nurse. Because you <laughs> just wanted to help people. And it's it's just such a brilliant it's such a brilliant and brave thing for an actor to do because, in a way, you're sort of winking to the audience. Like there, there's a, a little bit of a meta thing going on, but it's but it's so wholesome and so fun and funny and so. I mean, obviously, you did an audition for the part of Elizabeth Shue, so how, how did you get involved in Hamlet too?
1: <laughs> um, uh, they they asked me to be to be a part of it, and um, I was so flattered at, at first. You know, it was really funny at first, of course. I, I was I think my agent was worried that it would sort of call to attention that I haven't been in a lot of movies and people would might even believe that I that I had quit the business. Um, but I thought it was hilarious and I just love that it. it kind of right was on the nose of where I was feeling at that point. I mean, you know, I don't think there's an actor out there who hasn't thought about quitting. Right. Over and over and over again. You know, their ego is just like done, like I can't handle it anymore. <laughs> I just, right. I just, I just can't, I, I'm, I'm done. Um, so I thought it was perfect timing for really where I was and to make fun of it. And, um, and Steve Coogan is just so brilliant. And just showing up on the set in the first day and him being so excited that I was there, like exactly the way he was in that scene. <laughs> was so funny. <laughs> oh my god, that scene, I mean that scene still makes me laugh. I can just remember every I just remember how his expression was like, oh Elizabeth Shue like <laughs> so, so happy. Oh it makes me laugh thinking about it.
2: <laughs> and and I would I would say that knowing, knowing knowing that your goal moving forward was to take artistic style like artistic choices I think, you know, come from an expression of honesty. And if you had taken that role in hopes of like creating some kind of result, that wouldn't have been the honest reason to take it. But since you really felt that way and there was an authenticity to it, (laughs) I think that was the most artistic choice. You expressed something (laughs) that you were feeling.
1: Totally. Totally. Yeah. No, I love that movie. Oh my goodness. I'm so glad you remembered that one. Yeah.
2: Oh, it's great. Yeah. My wife and I watched it probably I probably during quarantine. She was like, Have you seen Hamlet too? And I go, Yeah, but not for a long time. She goes, It's one of my favorite movies. We should watch it again. And we watch it and it's great. I mean, it's 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 just such a funny, like it it does have that sort of like dry British, we should make a sequel to Hamlet. But then, but it's not, it doesn't just rely on that. Like the 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 sort of the characters in the story it's really fun. There's like, yeah. there's a lot of fun, there's a lot of fun stuff
0: oh, that
1: happens. in that film. Have you, her part is, is so funny? Yeah. That's another movie that just got lost. I mean, it just didn't have its moment. Um, that, that was a, an eye opener for me too, that I always thought that if you were in a great movie or, or even for Steve, you know, like this was going to be his moment. And yet um, there's just such a fragility that takes place when a movie's released whether it hits at the exact time where the culture can actually appreciate it and it was a little um, late you know those those kind of movies were not getting the attention that they deserved you know people had already moved right. on i think a bit to the to the superhero model
2: right yeah well and again and you it, it goes back to what you're saying so the neutrality protects you from i mean we this business we have no like 99 percent of it we can't control no matter what sort of security bubbles you think are in place or like well i've done this so i should be you know it's like none of that we just fool ourselves all the time thinking that we know or you know and so it, it, like all you can do is what you can do you know
1: yeah do you have issues with neutrality are you are you uh
2: well, I'm a comedian and I think we all I think all comedians have issues with neutrality because we are conditioned to, you know, like it's all about us when we're on stage. The negative side of that is ego, but the positive side of that is that we try to create an environment like in a, you know, like doing stand up where we we don't have to rely on anything other than ourselves on stage connecting with an audience and I think that is very attractive up against a business where you can't control if you're on the hot list or if you, if your last thing did okay, you know, it's like, if you can walk into a room full of people and make them laugh with just yourself and a microphone, that's really kind of distills it down, you know, but even that business. Yeah. And, 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 and it can be very, you know, of course it's like, it, there's a constant struggle with Like the idea that you think you should, that you have something important enough to say that you should get up in front of a bunch of strangers and try to make them like you is, I think the definition of ego. So it's sort of a, you know, it's like trying to undo that conditioning. And like you said, like, we'll be neutral and appreciate the process. And it doesn't, you know.
1: Yeah. Like it'd be fine if nobody laughs at any joke, right? That'd be fine. Cause
2: that's- I would like to say that if I were evolved enough to say that that's true, but no, of course it would just shred you inside. And, you know, and, and you can, there, you can be performing for a thousand people and 999 people can be laughing. And if one person yes. is not, you cannot help but zero in on them and go, why don't, what, is-? why don't you like then, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So (laughs) it's it's, just that you're you're just chasing this ego carrot. So I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I say all these things, it's easy to talk in these broad terms. We should do this. And a person, of course I have my own struggles. We, We all, you know, it's like the fact that we're performers, like what an incredible like human experiment to how do you become neutral and separate yourself in a business that thrives and feeds on mm-hmm. ego, you know, like that's so much of what it is. And how do you extract that to just get to the art of it? I, I mean, I haven't figured yes. it out, but I'm fascinated by it.
1: Daily. I think it's probably a daily practice. <laughs> <laughs> you have to remind yourself every second.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember, you know, when I, I stopped auditioning for acting roles, probably 15 years ago, 10 or 15 years ago. Why? I, Why did you stop? What was the? Because I'm better as, I like being myself. Like I like hosting and I like doing standup. Mm-hmm. Acting, I, I found that I would be in a room auditioning and there were people who were way better at, at auditioning than I was. And I found myself going home and feeling bad about not getting stuff <laughs> for things that I didn't even want, you know? Uh-huh. And so I just felt like, oh, this is just, this is just more damaging to my soul. And I don't think I'm passionate about portraying other characters and also honestly I I, you must have all the patience in the world but to sit around for like 12 hours on a set and you work maybe 15 minutes like that drives me up the wall like I just like to get in do the thing and not think about it anymore you know
0: yeah
1: yeah I hear you I hear you yeah that all that auditioning process (laughs) was was pretty tough I hear it's so different now I mean there's so much um you get to self-tape now you send in your tapes you don't have to deal with that awful moment of walking into the room where they're all just staring at you and you know they don't want you. They're ready to move on. Oh my God. Yeah. And you
2: can hear other people auditioning on the other side of the wall.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so evil. Oh gosh, yeah, I don't miss that. Yeah, that's. You... I don't know if I could audition for, I, I still have auditioned for, for some things over the years, for sure, for sure. But um, it's really, it's, it's a relief when I don't have to. I was terrible at it too, by the way.
2: Really? Yes. Oh God, I was terrible. You worked so much. How's that
1: possible? I, I was terrible. I don't know. I just, I relied on the kindness of a few people that somehow could see through my awkward, nervous, kind of needy. <laughs> um, I just, yeah, I just couldn't deal with the The energy was so intense that I couldn't calm myself to a place where I could actually do what I knew I could do. Right, um, I just was so aware of of everyone else in the room like, well, how are they reacting, and they don't like me? I can tell already. Um, it was just yeah, it was so such a such a tough experience, but
2: has I, this is a, I don't think this is that weird of a question because we sort of touched upon it a little bit. Has tennis helped you in that way stay in the moment and not worry about a million other things?
1: Yes. Yes, for sure. Um, yeah. Well, I, I think the, uh, the idea, like, you know, we were talking about um, comedy and how you're waiting for a laugh and then you don't get one. Um, I think that was like, that helped me with this idea that it's not about the happiness of a good shot. You know, there's going to be another shot after that. You're going to hit one good shot and then you're going to miss a shot and then you're going to have to serve again. And then you're going to have to play another point and another point, and another point, and another point and <laughs> Um, the fact that you have to constantly go into battle and you have to constantly stay calm and the result really doesn't matter. And if you care about the result while you're playing, you can't play. And I had right. that experience. I mean, I, went, I decided to challenge myself and put myself into these ridiculous tournaments just to see where I was. <laughs> and I was overwhelmed by the moment, overwhelmed by wanting to win or wanting to prove that I was as good as I thought I was. And right. failed spectacularly um and and learned that lesson of neutrality in like <laughs> in a very intense way, um just the shame of of not living up to the expectation of what you thought you should be able to achieve, so yeah i mean i think I think with acting it's really helped me, um you know as we said you know it's like it 's a point by point situation. I do this film, I do that film, it doesn 't do well, I hit another point, I go to work it 's just you're a carpenter, you're making, you're making a shelf, you know, take away all the hoopla and that's what you're doing.
2: Yeah. But you could, but the other thing that's, that, that's a little unfair about the balance of it is, you know, you can play several games of tennis in a day, but you can do what a couple movies a year, you know? So it's like the frequency is so much lower for, for doing a film or a television series that you're sort of, you know, it's like you can miss a point and go, well, there's, you know what? I don't have to worry about it. You know, we're playing three sets. There's a shit ton of, you know, but with a movie, it's like, oh, I did two movies this year. And if one of them does well and one of them doesn't, like, how do you, you know, it's like navigating. That was your year, you know? Yeah.
1: Well, I think finally, I really, don't care. <laughs> I really don't care. I really don't care if they do well or not. I really don't. It's
2: there's kind of none of your, your business yeah. in a way. You know what I mean? Like you did what you were supposed to do and that you can't control anything else.
1: No, I can't. I can't. It's not my
2: fault. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's true. There's so many elements that go into making a thing. You can't control the lighting, the music, how it's edited, what other people are doing, the shot. Like you, like actors, as celebrated as acting is, it is such a small part of the whole process and so many things have to go right. It's just not anything you can do about it.
1: Yeah, but we're just laughing about it. It's not our fault because deep down we do think it is our fault.
2: <laughs> oh, is right? We're going to blame ourselves. <laughs> why didn't this, I, I should have, oh God. Why I, 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 I should have oh been sleeping my. more. I don't know. I should have, what was I, what did I do wrong?
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. Sometimes it just comes down to, I just should have said no. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> but then, but you learn that for the next time. Like that's again, that's just part of the learning process. You exactly. learn you learn what to do, and 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 the things that you might think are errors um, yeah. on the corner in the business are like, well, that was a learning experience. Exactly.
1: And you know, when it comes down to it, when I say, oh, I should just have said no, I really can't think of any film, maybe one or two, maybe one that um, I would give up the experience. Yeah. Even if it didn't turn out well, I, you know, the experience itself was actually very challenging. I really did enjoy working with most of the people I've ever worked with in this business. So why would I give that up just for the result to be better, (laughs) you know?
2: and, And honestly, like I said, I mean, hopefully you're able to connect in some way with the idea that you really have been in some of the most influential films in the history of film.
1: Okay, my ego's back. I feel good now. Okay.
2: <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying you have, you know, like it's, you know, your career is amazing and impressive and it continues to be. And I'm so glad that you, um, I'm so glad that you wanted to be a part of Cobra Kai because it, it. It's 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 weirdly hard to not get emotional when I watch it because it is, not only is it so much a part of, you know, me growing up, and obviously there's the nostalgia part of it, but there is also this wonderful philosophical, like they've just taken it to such a level where you're like, oh my God, you know, these people at the core of it, except for maybe John Kreese, they're all good people who just can't get out of their own way. And it's just, if they could just get out, if they could just sit down and have a fucking conversation, you know, like which your character helps facilitate yes but it was just such a wonderful my wife and I were both so excited that you that you wanted to come back and be a part of it
1: oh I'm so glad I did it I'm so so happy I did it yeah I really enjoyed myself um I the, the guys are just awesome human beings I just loved how no time had passed at all And and I've said this, but it's really true. I did feel like I was at a high school reunion and I didn't go to any of my high school reunions. None of them. I haven't been to any of them. So I I feel like in some ways that was mine, you know, and um, I was thinking, you know, the one scene um, that I just really, uh, really related to. And I um, still. I'm amazed that it hit me so emotionally was the scene saying goodbye to to, um, Daniel's character at the party Yeah I I was I still think about that. Wow. I had no um, just Didn't think that it would be an emotional scene at all and yet out of nowhere Um, I almost was so embarrassed at how emotional it felt to say goodbye to him. And I thought, oh my God, like in that moment, I'm like saying goodbye to my, to my innocence or I'm saying goodbye to my first experience in, in this business. And then you're like saying goodbye to your first crush. Like, I don't know. It It was, I would never have thought that, that my experience coming back to Cobra Kai would be as emotional as it turned out to be. And fun, really fun but but that I always love when there's some emotional learning or something that affects your life because you know it becomes part of my soul, I get to experience that it's still part of me, even though I'm acting, you know it still is it, it's in me, and it was it was really wonderful
2: to have that moment it was it was so well done, and again it's. I think they have done such a brilliant job. I mean, they're really, Cobra Kai is really kind of doing what the superhero universe does, which is there is the universe of Cobra Kai. And it's it's just that they're doing this sort of like detailed embroidery of kind of stitching up all the things in a, in a really respectful way of all of the lore of the show from all the movies. You know, like it, and it, and in in, 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 a, in such a satisfying way.
1: Yeah, no, it's incredible. It works on so many different levels, and that that they found this great humor. Billy, Billy is so so good in it.
2: He he he's just. It's such a great portrayal of the guy who used to be like the, you know, the number one dude of. It's like yeah, there are those people who, and to a degree, you know, everyone just can't get over their past. Like he's so much in his past. He literally can't
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: get out of it. You know, can barely work a computer, still listens to the same music. Like he's living in that glory moment. And it obviously is just like a jacket that does not fit anymore. And it's like, he's, maybe I need to kind of just live the now. <laughs> yeah. and, not, and not in 1984 or five. I know that last scene. Oh, oh we're
1: not supposed to talk about certain things in the show, right?
2: Well, we can, I mean, listen, I'll I'll give a spoiler. I'll give a light spoiler warning. People know that you came back. It's not like, I mean, obviously they would assume that you would run into both of those characters. So I don't think it's any great. I'll give a spoiler warning at the top.
1: It was very emotional. I mean, how incredible that they can take that tone that's so funny and so over the top at times and then have it all come together at the end and have it be so emotional Mm -hmm. Uh, to the you know the backdrop of like a great seventies rock and roll classic, like it's just so good. It's just it's just so good. I, I'm very respectful of the guys of John and and Hayden and Josh. Like what they've created, they must
0: they must have so much fun, you know. Whether you're shipping one hundred packages a month or thousands, ShipStation lets you automate routine shipping tasks and easily handle returns. Manage orders, print labels, compare rates, optimize every shipment, and automate delivery notifications with ShipStation's easy-to-use dashboard. Plus, you can access industry-leading discounted rates from USPS, UPS, DHL, and Global Post with discounts up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. Over 130,000 companies have grown their e-commerce businesses with ShipStation, and 98% of companies that stick with ShipStation for a year become customers for life. Optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Use promo code WONDERY today at ShipStation.com to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com promo code WONDERY.
2: Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home? at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Well, obviously, I mean, I don't know if anyone, do you know if they're doing a fourth season? Yeah. Well,
1: yeah. For sure. Oh, well, I don't know if we're supposed to talk about that, but I'm, yeah, I, I know they are. I think that's been out in the press for sure. I think that was the reasons why they wanted to come to Netflix because Netflix was so excited about it that they said, Hey, we'll, we'll give you another season.
2: Great. Great, great, great. Yeah, that that's really good because it does it's it's it does end in an open ended way, so it feel it felt like well they ha- they have to come they have to come back, but uh you know is I mean are you allowed to are you going back do you know <laughs> are you allowed to, you know you like, probably not allowed to say. <laughs>
1: Um, I don't, I really don't. I, I, so I can honestly say that.
2: (laughs) Okay. Okay. Uh, Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No idea. idea. And they have, you know, they have all kinds of plans and, you know, just, we're all living in the moment, you know, we're all living in the moment. We're not (laughs) Chris, it's time for us all just to be neutral and not expect anything or want anything just to just be present.
2: (laughs) Well, like I, I, you know, like it, the, the the last ten months, and I've said this on the podcast many times before, have really opened my eyes to like, oh, you know, I really I'm looking forward to the afternoon walk we're gonna take with our dog. You know, it's like those those life things, and 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 that I I really do like. I, I feel like those are the things that I sh- we should have already appreciated, but you just get caught up in so many things, and then. You know, when, you know, it's like the world sort of shuts down. It's like, well, what do I have? I have this day, you know, today my wife and I are both healthy. We're okay. We have a dog. We're going to like, it just, it just, it sort of just strips everything down to what I feel like is what you were talking about before about experiences. Like, well, what is the experience? I'm not, I can't live in the future because who knows. And so I'm just, what do I have today? We got our dog today. So we're going to just play with him and take him on a walk and enjoy that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My dog is about to howl right now you listen carefully listen can you hear him no great he like yodels he like howls whenever a siren goes by what do you have (laughs) a little frenchy
2: oh that's sweet what do you have we have um we got him a month before quarantine he's called an otter hound
1: It's, it's it's
2: an old English breed that was, it's like a, it looks like an Irish wolfhound, but a little dopier. And, uh, they were bred to hunt otters centuries ago. And, um, you know, there's not a lot of otter hunting work anymore. So they're, you know, their, their breed is dwindling. And so, you know, my wife wanted to like help conserve the, the breed. So, so we, we got one and, and he's, North, he's like, he's over 105 pounds now. So he's, Wow. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. I know walking the dog is such a profound experience. I mean, it's, it's really funny how, what, what, what if you didn't have a dog, you wouldn't go out, outside twice a day and walk Sweet. by your neighbors and be outside and say hello to the trees and look at the surroundings and realize where you are. I mean, it's it, like you said, it's just so simple, but, um,
2: yeah, my wife said that much more he's, enjoyable. Helped, he's helped, he's really helped her a lot during this process because she, cause she said exactly what you said, like, she was like, I don't think I would have gone outside if I hadn't. And he gives me a reason to go outside and something to focus on and love and, mm. you know, get love in return. I am jealous of your Frenchie, though, because, I you know, like any dog that has little poops, I am so jealous <laughs> of right.
1: Yeah, I know. Isn't <laughs> it funny? <laughs> Whenever they, they go, you're like, oh it's a good one.
2: We've been married, Liz, Not to be gross, but we've been married for almost <laughs> four and a half years. We've never talked about poop so much as we with the, the, the dog, like never before. And then now, was it solid? Okay, is he okay? Yeah. Is he oh yeah. Control? We need to like make sure. Well, that one was a little runny, so we need. It's like. Wow, we've really like so much of our day is about the dog's poops. <laughs> yeah, so totally. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, who knew
1: that it was so important? Well, you don't have kids yet, though, do you?
2: No, but we're but we're trying. Okay. So. Well, we're
1: very interested in their poo as well. Just so you, <laughs> you <know>. have to. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you have to make sure that everything's working okay. That is an important. You yes. can't take that for granted. You have to focus on those things. <laughs> yes, you do. So. <laughs> you know, when you're concerned about your dog, your animal or child's poops, I think that's really healthy because how can you be worried about some stupid entertainment thing when you literally are like, that is, that is the most important thing of your day. I think that's, I think that's good.
1: Yes, it is. It's very grounding. Very.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Have you been able to play tennis during, uh, during all this?
1: Oh yeah, thank God. Thank God. I really I, I think I would have had a mental breakdown if I couldn't play. Um yeah, it's it's uh the one sport that you're allowed to play. There's naturally distancing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I um I don't play as many times a week because I have to do strength training now to make sure that I don't get injured. Um, but I still get about three, three to four times a week I play.
2: That's fantastic. Yeah. If you know with with sort of uh, sort of neutrality and the wisdom that you have now is that is that some of the advice that you would impart to uh to 80s Elizabeth Chu like hey just don't worry about it be neutral like what what would you what would you tell her now?
1: Wow. Um uh, that's a hard question. <laughs> Um, I would tell her to not expect so much and not care so much what other people thought of her. (laughs) Um, I think that was pretty detrimental to my soul. All those years of caring so much what people thought of you. that, That would mean that I would tell her that for sure. And then I would tell her that, it's okay to just be who you are, to be to be somebody who's not caring about the business, to be somebody who doesn't know how to wear dresses properly and <laughs> um, is clueless about all the things that I was clueless about. Like I think I beat myself up so much when I was younger because I expected so much out of myself and was constantly comparing myself and wondering what everyone thought of me and I would just, yeah, I would just say, just just accept where you are and just enjoy the moments of working with all these really interesting people. And that's all that it's going to be. That's it.
2: And so th- then this kind of dovetails into parenting advice, which is how do you impart that to kids who are mm-hmm. growing up? And you know that that's just a part of youth. That's just a part of like w- wanting all those things and looking for false metrics to especially with social media, false metrics to feel like you have value. Like, how do you, how do you like unravel that? And, you know, like tell, like impart to your kids, like, Hey, you have value with all that, all that shit, you know, like, that's just, that's play that's fantasy. It doesn't mean anything. Like, how do you, how do you like what's good advice for me as when we someday have kids to impart to them so that they have those tools.
1: Well, one thing I've learned about being a mom is that kids do not like advice. <laughs> um, so, uh, I don't think I, you can impart too much advice to them where they shut down and don't want to hear it. Okay. Um, and this will sound cliche, but I would say try to be a good example mm-hmm. of how you would hope that they would grow and evolve as humans. I would say that's the best you can do is kind of mirror for them um, certain character traits, because I feel like at the end of the day, that's really what your job is, um, is to be a good example for them and teach them without giving them advice, (laughs) (laughs) Um, character traits and very simple ones, you know, what it means to be respectful of other people, what it means to be kind to yourself and others, Um, what it means to be curious, what it means to work hard, you know, all of those character traits, if that's what's most important to you in your life, then, and they see that, then I, I feel like that's the most you can do.
2: That's that is phenomenal advice because I think it's so easy to think that there's a quick fix for everything or just like a, you know, like a quick saying that you can throw at someone and fix all there, but you're right. Like living by example, is literally the way that their brains are programmed, like, to absorb, and, you know, I think all the things as, that parents probably think, like, they're hiding, like, all their kind of emotional insecurities that they're hiding from their kids, it's like, yeah, you're probably not, you know, like, Uh, yeah, no, you
1: know, they they really watch you, (laughs) they really watch you, um, I think sports is good. I would say, you know, if I had to give you one piece of advice, I would get them involved in sports, not in any obsessive, compulsive, crazy sort of ego driven way, but I think sports is a great, um, great teacher to oh, people.
2: I don't know anything about sports.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't ask you what your sport was. <laughs> Damn it. That's true. Okay. Very yeah. fair.
2: Very
0: fair. No, no, I want to
1: hear what was your sport? Cause I bet you, le- you had to learn from your sport as well. What was it?
2: So my father was a professional bowler. So I grew up on the pro bowlers tour. Whoa, that's crazy. And then my dad opened a bowling center in 81, I think, in Tennessee. And, you know, and so, um, but then my mom's dad was a golfer. So I would go out and play golf with my grandfather. My mom's mom played tennis. So I would play tennis with my mom. So, but really, you know, for me, it was bowling and chess. I was a very... um, uh, I played a lot of chess when I was in grade school, tournament chess, and so.
1: Oh, oh! So you must love.
2: The I mean, it's sort of a sport. Bowling is kind of a sport. Chess is a little bit of a. Sp- I mean, there's strategy involved. Oh
1: yeah, of course that is a sport. Chess is a sport for sure.
2: Yeah. So I don't know. I sort of feel like my parents are really cool with me because they realized that I wasn't into football or basketball or baseball or anything. they were into everything but they still saw what I was into when they fostered it. And so that's what I hope I can do when we have kids, even if it's something, even if my kids, like I want to play baseball. I don't want to be the parent who's like, that's dumb. You know, I want to be like, all yeah. right, let's figure this out. I, I don't understand it, but you love it. And that's all that matters. So let me just, let me just feed that. Cause that's what my parents did for me.
1: Yes. Wow. So were you actually a great bowler as well?
2: Yes, which I don't mind saying because I don't think that's a brag. That's
1: so hard to do how to get that the spin with uh I I, you know how everyone all us amateurs we just try to like line it up straight with our arm just extended and try to just kind of like keep it as straight as possible, but all the great bowlers spin it with their wrist.
2: Some of that's unfair though. Some of that's unfair because if you're if you just go to to a bowling center and you just pick up a house bowling ball. Those balls are not designed to do that. They're, they're, they're very, they're designed to get thrown around a lot. They're designed to be really indestructible. And so they don't, so some of it is knowing how to do that, but some of it's also professional bowlers have bowling equipment that is inclined to do those things as well. So it's sort of not, yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh,
1: good. Now I have an excuse for being a terrible bowler. You
2: have an excuse. <laughs> and also, again, bowling is just one of those things. It's like, you know, I don't know if I, like I said, I don't think it's really a brag, you know, it's like, but I just grew up in bowling centers. So that, that
1: well, know, you also practiced hours and hours and hours, right? I you did. Got, you, had, you had to be obsessed. I think that's the key to any greatness in sports. There has to be a certain level of obsession.
2: Yeah, I think so, but it but again, it it also is learning how to not let each shot define your whole. And my parents mm. were never like my dad was never like make a strike or I won't love you, but yeah. I but I think <laughs> but I think I like I wanted to be good at it because he was good at it. But he was like, I don't care what you do in life, just do what you love, you know? And I'm like, yeah, but I you know. So
1: Oh, so so love me look. I look what I scored.
2: <laughs> and, and it wouldn't have mattered either way. Like he was he just wanted me to be, you know, my dad just wanted me to be. Were your parents like when you wanted to be an actor were were they like, "Great, do it. Love it."
1: Uh yeah, they had no interest in acting. There was nobody in my family who had ever acted before, so there was there was zero pressure to succeed. Thank God. Um yeah, I mean, I had my own pressure just to be seen. You know, I think it was more More like, hey, look at me. Look what I'm doing. (laughs) Um, And I I think I was pretty mediocre at sports. I I never excelled at any one sport. You know, I was kind of a mediocre gymnast, mediocre soccer player. Um, And I never, you know, I just never cared about sports. But that's what my family cared about. And so maybe that I, I look back and I go, oh, maybe that's one of the reasons why I was interested in acting. You know, hey, I can't I can't play sports well, but look, I did, I did that. You know, give me some attention. Um, there might have been a little of that going on.
2: But then, but your bro- but you have a brother who's an actor too.
1: Yes, yes, and a great soccer player.
2: You know, he. Oh, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, yeah. He. Um. All my brothers played. Um. Played soccer in college. Amazing athletes they can play any sport well. So there's a lot, there's a lot of competition, a lot of expectation to live up to them, you know? Right. Um, so it still drives me. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why I started playing tennis because now I can beat all of them.
2: <laughs> that's not, I mean, listen, I know we talk about like, well, be neutral. But that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's, that's pretty nice.
1: Oh, my God. But the expectation of wanting to beat them makes it very hard for me to beat them sometimes <laughs> because I want it so badly. And then then I'm not neutral. And then all of a sudden I get really tight because I care too much. Um, but, yeah, finally, I have vanquished them.
2: That's good. That, I'm I'm very happy to hear that. And then also just like <laughs> managing what's in between your ears is like the biggest hurdle of all, you know, like, oh yeah. you know, you could be great at something. But if you can't get past what's in between your ears, then it doesn't, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter. Yeah. No, not at all. But I also, and as I'm wrapping this up, I also am very inspired by, because, you know, you talk about bowling. I learned to bowl as a kid, so it's just in my molecules. I could pick up a bowling ball anytime, and I know how it's supposed to feel. I, I've, I've been trying to learn to play musical instruments as an adult, and I'm very frustrated because I'm like, it's not in my, like, I don't know how this is supposed to feel because I didn't learn it while my body was Forming, you know, but then you became a really good tennis player and you were an adult when you learned tennis, and so that to me goes, Oh, well, just stick with it, like, just keep doing it, and you'll figure it out.
1: Yes, and if you don't expect too much and you allow yourself to just stay in the moment, then you won't be disappointed and you will not have the gifts that you had as a kid learning a sport when you were not aware of what you were doing and your DNA and your molecules were not forming around a perfect way of spinning that ball and making it hit pins. Um, there are times where I get really annoyed that it hasn't come easier. And I see my daughter and how easy it has been for her in comparison. But I think that's kind of the fun part of, of forcing yourself to challenge yourself. Now it's going to be difficult. That's cool. It's great when it's difficult. Right. Why would we want anything different?
2: Because that's where you grow.
1: Exactly. If it was easy, what would be the point? So you should bless the fact that it's so hard.
2: <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, I just you know, I, I just have to say again, this has really, really, really been enjoyable talking to you and such an honor and a pleasure. And you know, again, um thank you thank you for being a part of so many great being great in so many great things that have been influential in my life and been influential in so many people's lives. And Aww. it's just, it's really nice getting to chat with you. I was so, I was so excited when I heard you want to do the podcast. like, she does. Oh my gosh, it's <laughs> great. You know, like it. I've really, never
1: done a podcast. This is my first one. Really? Well,
2: I hope you had a nice time. I
1: did. I did. It was really fun. It Good. Was really, really fun. Yeah. So different from. Yeah the the inter, you know the interviews that you do um it was really nice just to have a conversation and and of course about something that i love so much i love that we could share that That was really
2: fun Yeah well the interviews like you know it's like you normally have 5 or 7 minutes and it's like there's an agenda it's like well i got to get through all these points or they ask you Yeah you know, and and I, and I try to be really mindful to not you know cuz there's a lot of like detail oriented questions like oh should i Should I ask a ton of questions about Back to the Future too? No, she's probably been asked those a million times. And maybe she doesn't want to talk about it anymore, you know? So it's, it's, I appreciate that, you know, like, this didn't feel like work. I didn't feel like I was digging around trying to find stuff. It was just a very naturally flowing conversation. So I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, I so appreciate it. It was really, really fun for me. Yeah. If it was like this, I would do tons of publicity if this was (laughs) what you had to do. Just have conversations with people about sports and acting and about life
2: yeah did you, did you have you done a lot of
1: talk shows even or do you I, not, I'm it- terrified of talk shows i I've done a few here and there over the years, and if if you ever see them, I'm kind of nervously like scratching my arm or um my voice gets really high. I don't know what it is about talk shows. sometimes they just feel so unnatural to me. Right. Um, and uh, but maybe you know if I could be neutral, <laughs> I could probably handle them better. But yeah,
2: it, it is a very artificial environment where you have to come out, like have a rapport with someone in five minutes.
1: Exactly.
2: And get information out, but still feel natural. And it's like, yeah. it's, a, it's very hard to do.
1: Yeah, it's very hard to do. Yeah. But but um, maybe one day. But this is this is my favorite. This is much better. Thank you. Thank
2: you. Well, I really appreciate it. You're welcome on any time if there's ever anything you're doing that you want to promote. Is there anything else uh, coming out that you want to mention?
1: Um... I'm uh, I'm doing a show right now, actually, well, I just finished shooting something that I'm very excited about, that will be on Netflix called On The Verge, that uh, oh, is about four um, ladies in their 40s and 50s, written by Julie Delpy. Oh, wow, that's awesome. And uh, yeah, we filmed it in, in LA, in Venice, and uh, it was just, yeah, so much fun just to be with women, to um, work with Julie, who I've always looked up to. Um, yeah, it's just a slice of life, uh, it's sort of about, you know, just what it's like to be this age and that we're all still kicking, we're all alive, we all <laughs> still have a lot of things to do with our lives and uh, just kind of neurotic and funny and uh, real, very authentic.
2: That's Fantastic. Well, and yeah. do you know what, that'll be out sometime this um, year?
1: Probably September, I okay. think, because it's it's a joint production with Canal Plus, and and so I think it has to be released in
2: France. Got it, got it, got it. First, and then it'll be on Netflix. So yeah, so I'm excited about that too. Fantastic. So that is Netflix later in the year. Uh, Netflix right now has Cobra Kai season three, which you should absolutely watch. Uh, Elizabeth Shue, again, thank you so much. So absolutely, thanks, Chris. The end. Right. Bye. Bye. the end.
0: Bye. Bye.
1: No murder, no suicide, oh. and best of all, there's no cost to join us in Pura. He promised to keep you safe. They
0: killed her. You took everything.
1: In a world that doesn't
0: feel so safe anymore, we're waiting for you here in Pura. The Last City is a new scripted audio drama from Wondery. Enjoy The Last to? City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of *The Last City* right now, ad-free, on Wondery Plus. Get started with your free trial at wondery.com/slash-plus.